Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to a rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model online coaching program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or alcoholic. And we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery. Instead, you can learn exactly how you can solve your addiction for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Well, then call us at 888-424-2626 and set up your free 30-minute coaching session today and experience the Freedom Model difference. Hi, everybody. Hi. So welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we co-authored the Freedom Model for Addictions with our colleague, Stephen Slate. Um, and today, what we're going to talk about in the podcast today is um, the the problem of when you're alone that we've had an influx of people. And I actually did a, a two minute TikTok vid on this the other day and got a lot of response from it on our social media platforms. And, and that is, you know, is there, there are a lot of women that I work with who they can go out with friends and drink socially mm-hmm. without issue. Um, but when they're home, alone, whether they're a stay-at-home mom or whether they're recently separated or divorced or maybe, you know, like I, my husband was away hunting um, for a week and, you know, he's away pretty much every weekend hunting. Um, And then they kind of go into that binge, that binge drinking. Um, Sometimes it's binging on alcohol and benzodiazepines or, um, marijuana or whatever it is, but it feels or locking themselves in a hotel with crack or heroin. Yes. Yeah. So, so there, so the issue is, you know, not being able to, you know, feeling like you need something when you're alone. Well, it's, it's, it's funny. There's two things we're talking about. One thing is like the ritualistic hiding away binging. And then we have the drowning your sorrows alone sort of binging. And there's different styles to all of this. I think one is drowning your sorrows is exactly what it sounds like. But the other is more driven by uh, certain fantasies that we create that couple together ideas in our mind with the buzz. 
and we try to have this sort of um, hopefully amazing experience, <laughs> right? You know, and there's this this massive hope that you have that the drug is going to provide you a magic carpet ride, and and then it falls really really short, and when it falls really short, you double down. And all kinds of bizarre behavior emanates from this desperate plea to have it be magical again. Yeah. Now, I want to clarify something, and that is we're not judging it. No. Okay? We, no, we God, are not. We did it. We've done it. Yeah. We're, we're not, you know, there was a period of time in my life when I, that was, I drank alone all the time. And I used drugs alone. And, you know, that was a long time ago. Um, and I know, I know definitely why I did that. And there were different reasons at different times. Um, but if you're somebody that you go home and you polish off two bottles of wine and you enjoy it and it's not an issue for you. Oh, great. I mean, we're not saying that you should change that. Okay. I want to make that clear. Um, but anybody that is really watching this to try and solve a problem that the, you know, that's what we hear a lot is, is why do I do that? Why do I, why can't I just go home and have two glasses of wine? Why do I polish off two bottles of wine? Well, I think, I think behind that is, well, I want to be really specific here. Behind that, the part that they usually say a little bit later when we're discussing this phenomenon is it's not working anymore. Right. So why do I keep doing it if it's not working? It, it makes me feel awful. I, I I feel I'm remorseful even before I go to bed at night. I'm I know I'm gonna wake up with a hangover and feel crappy. Um, you know, I had somebody message me that said, you know, I felt so crappy that the other morning that I actually had a drink before, you know. 9am because I knew it would make me feel better. And you know, what's happening? Why, why is this happening? So, so that's, that's, it's a, it's a complex thing because it has some moving parts that we don't yeah. know to look at and yes. we don't even know exist. And let me explain what I mean. So every binge, I, when I wrote the binge construct in our online program and, um, and we use it in our coaching as well. When I wrote that piece, it became really popular. I mean, and I'm actually in the process of rewriting it for the second edition. Because what I did was I broke down the steps that people go through, the phases in a binge, in a typical, isolated, alone-style binge. And a lot of that, of those steps that people go through or phases that they go through, let's say it's in a hotel and it's a four day binge. They, they go through various stages. They ignore most of them hmm. and they, they almost ignore the entire binge and focus solely on how it ends up being fucking terrible. Awful. So, so it's very easy. We've been taught to look at, the ramifications, costs, and consequences of this binge and to solely look at that as your motivation to not do it again. So that, that's, that has a, a set of problems that are beyond the scope of this podcast because I could do an entire podcast on how consequences don't motivate humans. Um, so let's just put that on a shelf for now. Let's just say that 
consequences, costs, and pain will not stop you from drinking and drugging. No, nope. They may temporarily, and for some people who don't have a very serious habit, it can definitely deter them and they move on with their life. But for the active binger, they're, they're, it's all the steps they take prior to the regret that get ignored. Yes. And so they don't even recognize or they are unwilling to verbalize the fact that they're going into the binge with certain expectations that it's going to be a magical experience. Yeah. They feel uncomfortable saying that. They feel embarrassed to say it. They feel like uh, people will judge them. And they feel that way because it does turn out to be such a dramatic shit show that, that my God, what's wrong with me? Obviously, this happens every time. Right. So I'm certainly not going to say that I walked into this knowingly trying to have this magical experience because that shit's embarrassing. Yes. So I think we need to discuss now normally in a coaching session or in the online program, we go through this in minute detail. We're, we only have a half hour to go through the whole damn thing. Um, and I think it might be helpful. But if you are struggling with your binge construct I would suggest you get the online program because we go through it in uh, three different classes, actually a, a total of about five different classes. Plus there's all the ancillary stuff around it. That's going to reframe your whole thinking. Um, but I'm just going to hammer through things in a half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, what made me think about this was a few different people that I'm talking to Um online and and I have a couple coaching students right now where where somebody will say you know even if it's a nightly kind of binge yeah where they'll they'll have great resolve in the morning great resolve in the morning I'm not I'm not gonna drink today I'm not gonna drink today and then they get home from work and they're like ah fuck it and and so that's a daily binger right in a 24-hour period Let's just look at, there's no difference between that and the guy that, or lady that goes four months sober and then locks themselves in a hotel for three days. Or in yeah. their bedroom or in, in the, the basement or the yeah. garage or, yeah. What, what about, you know, somebody that just, you know, goes out into the garage at seven o'clock in the morning and chugs down a bottle of wine and in, you know, 40 minutes and then goes back into the house. Right. It's all the same thing. Yep. So. So what's different is each individual person has a certain idea of what magical experience yes. they're going to have. The benefits on the front end, the, the things, that's the thing to become mindful of is, is what am I, what am I hoping to get out of this experience? If I'm alone, is it going to make me feel less lonely? If I'm bored, am I going to be less bored? If I'm anxious, right? I mean, all we have all of these beliefs when we go into it that it's going to help us with certain things. Yeah. And and Mark is right though, when you're going into the binge, you largely ignore all of that because it's become uh habitual so that you don't even really think about it. It becomes you know, kind of this automated thing. Well, this is what I do now. Yeah. You know, and and so what we're saying is there's no reason that you can't become mindful and begin to think, okay, all right, I'm I 
you know, I've, I've been abstinent for all this time for the last six weeks. And now, you know, now I feel I really, I really want to get drunk. Yeah. And you really want to, because you never challenged the upfront benefit you see in getting drunk. Now, here's what's interesting. We develop, we develop the benefit, the perceived benefit of being drunk or high in the beginning of our drinking or drugging careers. And when a any experience that is has distractive value like getting drunk, mm-hmm. uh, any any activity like that on the front end or when you're first starting it is exciting. The first time you race a car or the first time you succeed in college or the first time you hit the right groove on the drums or guitar or whatever the experience, first time you have sex, the first time you... It's not that great for women to say. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but you never forget it because it's no. new. Right. So, so it's, it's a dramatic experience. And so everything is gauged from those perspectives. Now, everything, when you do it the first time, there's a certain expectation going in that it's going to be magical or you wouldn't be doing it. So the booze companies and the drug dealers and the people engaged in that that are already well-established in that world have sold you this this sort of crate of magical things that it's going to do for you. Our culture has sold you that. That's right. The treatment industry really hammers it out. Reinforces it. That that they're the most powerful, amazing things that you're, you're never going to love anything more. Right. So you're walking in new as a new drug or, or drinker, drug taker or drinker. You're walking in already fully established with a mentality that this is fucking magic. Yeah. You know, and, and then you feel the physical buzz, which is the active placebo. You feel it wash through your body, it whether really it's happens. cocaine mm-hmm. pot, right? Yeah, yep. real, it, it's real. It's a physical sensation. You feel the slowed neural functioning. You feel dizzy. This is all physical. Yep. And then you imbue it with magic. The, ideas behind what you've been taught. That's what drives binges. Yeah. Now, anything, anything in the world that can distract us from the suffering of human existence, whether it's going to work, whether it takes calories to breathe, for God's sakes, you know, the human existence is not an easy one. So anything like a vacation, sex, food, drugs, Alcohol, driving your car fast, listening to music, playing the piano, loving your job, hating your job, whatever it is, anything that distracts you from the suffering of human existence will be coveted. And it's really coveted if somebody sold you something that is truly magical. Right. Okay. And also, since the drug is internalized in your physical being, you feel as if it's in your mind which it is not. It can't go there. A physical molecule can't leap out of your body and go into your mind and solve all this shit. So it's the ultimate lie. That's the ultimate lie. The drug isn't doing what you think it's doing. But And here, that's, this is important because now it forces you to chase the magic. You're going to chase the fantasy that they've sold you because it's not real. You never really quite get there. 
So you drink more. Then you get more high more. Then you get hookers involved or you drink and drive or you amplify. You, I had one guy who said he gets on Amazon because he was rich as hell and he, he would have packages, room full of packages show up after a bender because he would literally go and shop and shop and shop and shop. That was his way of having his, his excitement. Yeah. And, and so, so yeah, so he's chasing and chasing. She is chasing and chasing and chasing. And you're, you're really trying to believe. And then it gets worse. Now you're chasing, it turns into a disaster, and then they call you an alcoholic, which makes you feel hopeless, and now you're fully engulfed in this horrendous negative feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, and then you try and stop yourself, so you put some these sober days together, all the while pining away for this fantasy that you still believe in. That's right, because anything that takes you away legitimately or not legitimate, right? Illegitimate, um, takes you away from the suffering of humanity. If you believe it, my God, are you going to chase it? It is human nature. It is the positive drive principle on steroids. So if you have a bad marriage and then you get shit faced as a sort of fuck you to your spouse mm -hmm. and, and you have fantasies on top of that, that you're going to just have your own time. This is me time. Me time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, and you, you, and you happen to like the physical buzz. Right. So, so yeah, let me, let me do this scenario. So you, you, this happens with a lot of women I work with. You, you have a marriage that is, that is not good. Right. It's on the rocks. It's on the rocks. And you've already been told, your husband's already told you, you I don't like it when you drink. Mm -hmm. um, because maybe when you drink, you say things that you wouldn't say sober, right? You use it as the license to misbehave. License to misbehave. And, and speak your mind. People genuinely believe it allows you to speak your mind. It doesn't. Right. That's another fantasy, another attribute. Yep. It's, it's, that is the license to misbehave. So, so now you're drinking heavily. You've escalated your drinking. You're drinking during the day. You're hiding it. And, and, and you get become resentful, right? So you, you get totally hammered during the day. You pass out. Nobody's taking care of the kids. Husband gets home. He sees this whole situation. And so now you're in, you start to become, the relationship becomes not a partnership anymore. Now it's a parent and a child. Oh yeah. The wayward child. The, you're the wayward child. And, and so you dive deeper. So you see what happens is you have these beliefs about, I can escape doing this. I can exert my independence doing this, you know, and, but you can't solve anything in the marriage when it's a parent child. Right. Yeah, and it's not an equal marriage at that point. Yes. And so, but, but so now you're confused because you feel crappy every time you drink too much, you reinforce this idea that you're out of control, which you're not. You're doing exactly what you want to do. Maybe you're forced in and out of treatment programs now, and it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And before you know it, it's uh, your marriage is over. You lost custody of your children. And now the fantasy becomes all about self-pity. Self-pity. I'm, I'm a victim of this bastard. Suicidal drinking. Yep. I mean, do you see this is in, in it's all, you know, look at, you may have a shitty marriage and that's hard to deal with. I know that's hard to deal with, but when you 
heap all this other stuff involved in it, it, it becomes impossible to look at it and figure out what's going on and try and solve it. Yeah, because you're so focused on what alcohol or drugs supposedly is providing you. Yeah. That it's this massive, massive misinformed distraction from reality. Yeah. And the reality is, oh, I'm making the fantasy. Yes. It falls short because it's not real. The perceived benefits of alcohol don't exist that I think exist. It's not taking care of my stress. It's not making my marriage go away or get better. It doesn't make me more beautiful. It doesn't make me more desired. It doesn't make me have a voice because the voice with the license to misbehave is just horrible. Um, and I turn into a, a nasty person. Um, you know, and all of these perceived benefits that you have is just you believing you have them. You're doing it. It's always you doing it. Right. There's nobody else in you. The alcohol or the drugs don't have a mind. So they couldn't possibly know what you need to be doing socially, mentally, and emotionally. Right. So, and it doesn't open up neural functioning and make you, you know, less inhibited. This has all been disproven in our book. We, we go through all of this There's in detail. a lot of research that we've amassed right throughout the book. Um, to show you that the what you think substances are doing for you, they're not doing. I mean, you can believe whatever you want. But but how is that working out for you? Exactly. I mean, I know that when I was drinking myself to death, I I would sit there and ruminate on the same bullshit and fantasies. And each time they got more mundane, more distant, more oh, lonely, yeah. more... And I would think, and I would drink harder and harder yep. and harder and harder. And it's just this terrible spiral until one day I, I remember the day and I won't get into the story, but I was sitting there and I said, my God, alcohol really doesn't enhance my life. Yeah. This it's like a moment of clarity, right? Yeah, massively. Massively. Yeah. I, the same thing I've had the same thing and it happened more than once mm -hmm. where I can remember thinking, why am I doing this? How many times, like I did a, a ton of drugs and in the last about six months of my, my drinking, my drug taking era, that six years, I didn't do drugs because each drug kind of fell off the roster. Yeah, me too. Okay. Cocaine doesn't work too expensive and I don't get the same experience. Uh, there's no fantasy with it. It, it was an ugly thing. I was with people I didn't like being around. Mm. Alcohol, though, was more my crowd, more my speed, right? Yeah. And I had other guys and gals that were way, way, way into the cocaine scene. And that was their speed. We, it um, was the 80s people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know cocaine's still popular now, but in the 80s, it was super popular. Yeah, it was just, yeah, because heroin wasn't on the scene. So, yeah. I mean, there were people using heroin, but. Tiny. I, I didn't even know anybody. Yeah, that did. I didn't. I mean, either. it was really rare. Actually, I did. But. <laughs> it wasn't, it's popular. I used, I did use opiates, but not heroin. Yeah, me too. Me too. Pills were common. Yep. Um, but it was, there was no hype around it. So anyway, so, uh, you know, the fantasies, you'll pick and choose your fantasies. If drugs inherently were addictive, if they addicted you, if it was a verb, right? It would addict you. If that were the case, then everybody would be loaded. All the time. All the time. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that, so it's, well, and, and if they genuinely provided the benefits that they're right. supposed to provide, we'd all use them all the time. If they genuinely worked for those things, 
but they don't, which is why most people don't like them. And, you know, those of us that, that go to that well over and over again, we do have those moments of clarity. It is common to even people. Well, I've had somebody admit to me, you know what, before I went on my last binge, I was like, why am I doing this? And I, and then I, and then I did it anyways. I don't know why I did it. That's don't bullshit yourself because you do know why you did it. Yeah. What are the benefits you're seeking? What are the benefits? That's what we mean by becoming mindful. You can still go into it and say, you know what? I know that the benefits are bullshit, but I clearly don't know that because when people are doing the reading, the freedom model and they're going through it, that's the key is really, okay, I am going to go into this binge. I'm going to be as safe as possible while I do it, but I am going to be mindful all the way through. I'm going to see, am I, you know, do I really feel less lonely? Am I less bored? What is actually happening? What is happening? Like, yeah. Like how much do I like this buzz, this tickle? How much do I like feeling a little bit sloppy? Yeah. And, and when you do that, the, the, the list on the roster of perceived benefits goes way down Yep, because you realize oh, it's not doing that. No, nope. mm-hmm. it's, it's not doing that. That's me. Um, I'm the one thinking about my self pity and delving into it. And I seem to like that. That's me. I could do that without alcohol. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I, I could, I could go out and get a prostitute if I wanted to do that, but I have this license to misbehave when I smoke crack. Right. And so the two go hand in hand in this in this CD world that I'm involved in. Um, but I could do that sober if I really wanted to. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to that much. Maybe, maybe I, you know, and so so what you do is you start to parse out what is real and what isn't real. And now if you're struggling with this, the I would suggest the online program or at least get the book and read the whole damn the thing. Whole thing. Because because you have a lot to undo. There are different styles of students that we get. And I think that- Oh, lots of different styles. I think that the bingers that have the hardcore binge construct are the most mystified though, because they go into this fantasy world with the perceived benefits in an all or nothing way. Like they're all in. Like I'm gonna say, fuck the world and I'm just gonna go into this, this world that I've created. So it takes some work to figure out whether it's real, whether you're getting those perceived benefits and how much of that is this sort of sensation in your body and how much of it is your own bullshit that you're selling yourself. And it's 90% your own nonsense, but you don't know that until you figure that out. Right. Right. So, so yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's where we leave it. I think we got to keep this one real clear to the point. Simple, very simple. Yeah. Um, and so, so it, it, you know, this, this is going to come out probably the week or two before Christmas, this one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I, I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, and, or happy Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate and, and don't also don't buy into the hype that, you know, Chris, that these, the holidays are harder than any other time of year. And, and they're a trigger and, you know, you know, oh, I'm going to be alone. Make the holidays, whatever you want them to be. That's right. Okay. You in your own mind, 
Um, and, and maybe give yourself this gift. If you're somebody that that kind of struggles with this, one of the books that we we cite and we highly recommend reading that I think it's required reading for living um, is Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning. It's a tough, it's, it's a little bit tough because he was in a concentration camp, but one of the things that he did was he figured out how to live four years in a concentration camp, survive and find bits of happiness and meaning and meaning in in the whole experience and in his life, in your own mind, you are immensely powerful to be able to create whatever you want. Yeah. you, You are the miracle. The drug isn't the miracle. You are the one that's doing all this. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. So I hope this was helpful for people. And um, yeah, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. (laughs) Bye bye. Take care. Are you seeking private, personalized coaching to solve your addiction? Do you want to move fully past your addiction without endless meetings, therapies, and rehabs? Some of you might also want to deprogram from the 12-step belief system for good. If so, then the Freedom Model Online Coaching is for you. Learn the addiction solution that has helped tens of thousands of people to solve their addiction for good and move on completely free from the trappings of perpetual recovery. You can work privately with a certified Freedom Model coach without having to put your life on hold, leave work and family. And again, you can do it without having to attend any group meetings or group therapy sessions. When you enroll in the Freedom Model online coaching program, you'll be assigned your own personal Freedom Model coach who will guide you through learning the Freedom Model in 12 private coaching sessions via video conference like Zoom or FaceTime. You will have three coaching sessions per week And you will also get 30 days access to the Freedom Model online program, which consists of more than 65 video lessons taught by me and my colleague and addiction expert, Mark Sharon. In addition to those video lessons, the online program also includes our 12-step deprogramming seminar series, a new Freedom Model quick lesson posted weekly, the monthly Freedom Model newsletter, the Freedom Model for the Family online program, and a two-hour live coaching session with Mark and me on the last Wednesday of each month. Go to thefreedommodel.org to learn more or call 888-424-2626 and start your journey to complete freedom today.